He's been seen on CNBC, the Fox News Channel, and the Fox Business Channel. His articles can be found on MarketWatch, Seeking Alpha, TheStreet.com, and many other places. He's the author of the weekly Best Stocks Now newsletter and the inventor of the Best Stocks Now app. He's president of Gunderson Capital Management. Here is professional money manager, Bill Gunderson. And welcome to the Monday. It's the Monday. It's the post-Super Bowl edition of the Best Stocks Now show with professional money manager, Bill Gunderson, president of Gunderson Capital Management, and I'm here with uh, Barry Kite, our chartered financial analyst. There must be some kind of Super Bowl indicator, Barry, that says if the AFC wins, the market goes up the next day. I don't know if there is, but hey, the well, Dow. <laughs> hey, we, we had it for a long time with the NFC. Whenever they would win, it would be a positive hmm. year for the market. So that, well, that lasted things, for a long time. Thanks things to the have turned around, I guess, because now the Dow is up 180 today. At 34,049, we kind of had a rough week last week, but if you read my newsletter uh, over the weekend, hopefully that cheered you up and uh, helped you maintain your optimism about this year, 2023. The Dow is at 34,049, the NASDAQ is up 80, 11,799, we've got uh, the S&P 500 up a half a percent, it's up 21 uh, we're off to a good start so far here today. Crude oil is not. Crude oil is down 61 cents to 79.11. We'll have a little update on crude today. Gold has uh, kind of fizzled as the dollar is back in uh, forward motion. Gold is down $6.20 per ounce. Silver's down 8 cents. The 10 years at 3.72, awaiting that CPI report uh, this this coming week. And crypto, crypto's getting clobbered down, uh, it's down 21,690. So welcome to today's The Best Stocks Now show uh, with professional money manager Bill Gunderson, president of Gunderson Capital Management, a nationwide fee-based only money management firm. And uh, we've got Barry Kite here with us, our uh, resident uh, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner. He's a CFA, uh, C, let's see, CFA, certified financial, CFI, right? Cert- CFP. C- well, CFP, yeah, yeah. CFA, CFP. There's too many, too, I don't know, right. too many syllables it, there for it, me. If we're in a game of Scrabble, it, 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 it helps out, right? Yeah, okay. And, of course, uh, the AFC won the uh, NFL championship, the Super Bowl. I've been to one Super Bowl in my life. That's uh, one event that a, I have on my man-to-do list. At some yeah. point, I'm going to you know, make it into one. Well, I got, uh, my father got free tickets to the one in San Diego. It was the Denver Broncos versus the uh, Washington Redskins, and uh, I believe the Redskins won that year. Elton John was the halftime show. That would have been in the era of the Hogs, right, I believe? Uh, Yep, and so uh, I have been to a Super Bowl. It's pretty cool, the hype and everything around it. And the pageantry, and we saw a lot of famous people there, so uh, it was a good time. Uh, and I know the Kansas City Chiefs pretty well. Our San Diego Chargers used to have some epic matchups with the, the Chiefs. I mean, I go back to the Lenny Dawson days uh, when he was the quarterback and Otis Taylor, one of the great receivers, Jan Stenerud, 
the kicker. Oh yeah, the uh, kicker. From, that's right. Yeah, they have. They've had some great teams over the years, and Andy Reid got to be one of the best coaches. He kind of showed up the young guy, I think, uh, when all was said and done, uh, winning that. Uh, that man, they really put their offense together there in the second half. It's a great game. Okay, well, we had a rough week in the market last week, and I I wrote all about it in my newsletter over the weekend. It was all about. <clears throat> the Fed, and the Fed is bluffing. Now, why do we talk about the Fed so much? Because nobody moves the markets like the Fed. Nobody. Nobody lo- moves the football down the field uh, like, uh, you know, Mayholmes, right? Uh, and uh, that little, I like that little running back they got, too, from, uh, I think he's from Rutgers. Oh, yeah, Pacheco, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's Freddie Pacheco. Is that? No, I don't know. He's a nice little running back, though, quick little guy. And, uh, you know, nobody moves the markets like the Fed, and the Fed has signaled. The chairman has signaled, okay? The chairman of the Fed, Jay Powell, has said, you know, we'll probably stop at just over 5%. See where we're at. We'll pause. Let's see where we're at with the CPI. And of course, we'll get into it. We're going to have a CPI report uh, this uh, week, and uh, we will see where we're at, okay? And it could influence the markets heavily. But he said, we're going to stop right over 5 So other people other members of the fed the fed open market committee is it 12 it's either 10 or 12 people on that entire committee but only seven of them are the governors that vote on interest rates and so all these other fomc committee members they're speaking all the time you know i'm sure they get paid a pretty penny to give a speech to some club in new york the uh, <laughs> you know the uh, the growth club of new york or whatever pay him uh, 50,000 or whatever for a morning speech. Yeah. They're okay. collecting, collecting a lot of money at the end of this week. They'll be talking a good bit. We'll have a good bit of Fed speak between Wednesday and Friday this week. So. Okay, well, that spells <laughs> volatility. All right. So now, <clears throat> uh, they're entitled to their opinions, but I've always learned over the years, I've been through, uh, Alan Greenspan and, and the, uh, you know, the cornflake indicator, the Cheerios indicator, the briefcase indicator. I've been through Ben Bernanke. I think Ben Bernanke ushered in a new era of transparency. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. Especially after 0809, it kind of, kind of, kind of had to, uh, it was one of the, kind of the, you know, uh, kind of what they were giving back in terms of compromise, right, in terms of uh, you know, being more transparent. Exactly. And now you've gone to a real age of transparency with Jerome Powell. So I go with what Jerome says. And uh, the others can have their opinions. Oh, I think we need to go to 6.5%. I think we need to go to 6 And then on top of that, you've got all of these uh, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, on and on, Stiefel, Schwab, they're all they're all chiming in, and J.P. Morgan is, uh, you know, Jamie Dimon has said, oh, they're going to have to go over six percent to get inflation under control. Well, I'm just going to stick with what Jerome Powell's been saying: five, just over five. So let's just say five and a quarter. All right, we're four, we're four point seven five right now, four point five, yeah, four point five. So yeah, three 4. more. 2, yeah, they always now they throw that range. It's like four point two five to four point five. So basically yeah. four point five. It's whatever three, the highest number is. Yeah, the highest mean. number. So <laughs> yeah. three and done, and then we've got the interest rate hikes behind us. The market's looking beyond that, and that's why you've seen this big massive return to growth stocks this year. The Nasdaq is outrunning, uh, just like little Pacheco on the outside there, outrunning the defense. He's outrunning the, the, the Nasdaq is outrunning the Dow 
by a wide margin. Whereas last year, you had just the opposite because we were in a rising interest rate environment. And growth stocks don't like rising interest rate environments. Growth stocks like to see an end to the rate hikes, uh, stabilization in the rate hikes in the interest rates. Then that multiple can expand and reward the better growing stocks that usually have higher P.E. ratios, which are also more vulnerable to rising interest rates. So last week the market said, uh, Powell is bluffing. He's bluffing. He's going to go way beyond five and a quarter. And I just said, well, you know, Powell's been really transparent. If he is, uh, he could change his mind. We could get a 9% CPI print this week. Well, uh, when he mentioned that, the last thing he wants to do is surprise the markets. I know. In, you know. When he had the Q&A this most recent time, he, he reiterated it again. And I think that's part of the, I guess, the argument for you know collecting so many speech uh, speech dollars, right, is that they're, you know, the more they talk, then, of course, the, the more transparent they are. Of course, they, sometimes the more they talk, the, the more confusing the markets can get. Yeah, too. so but, we're uh, sticking with our narrative. We started getting bullish on growth stocks when we saw the bottom of, when the, we saw the bond market bottom in November of last year. That was kind of the first shot over the bow, fired over the bow. Then we saw... Uh, uh, meta start to bottom and start to move and start to reverse from a downtrend to an uptrend. And, and then we Tesla, saw right? Tesla, we saw other stocks starting to join in and we became more and more, uh, bullish, uh, on, uh, the, uh, growth stocks where we were bearish on growth stocks last year. We haven't changed our narrative. We think the Fed will stop in spring and pause. And the market already, the growth stocks already seem to know that, uh, and they've been acting accordingly. But there's always going to be contrary opinions out there that move the markets like they did last week and cause doubt in your thesis. But, you know, I have a lot of conviction in, in what I observe in the market. I have, uh, you know, I have a lot of experience to bring to the fore. I've been in it for more than two decades. And I just feel like the it's still a year that's going to favor growth stocks. And we've been picking up some just extraordinary individual bonds for those that are faint of heart and just can't take the volatility called the NASDAQ or the, uh, you know, ARC funds or, or whatever your, uh, your, uh, your taste for uh, volatility is. Some people have no taste for volatility volatility so there's a product for them also okay when we come back man there's a lot happening i'm glad i took my vitamins this morning we'll be right back Welcome back here to the uh, second quarter of today's Best Stocks Now show. Well, <clears throat> some of the stories from last week that uh, will carry through into this week. Russia cut their output <clears throat> on oil, I think on Thursday. The oil stocks, the oil sector was the only sector that was up last week, which was a pretty bad week. In fact, last week was, I think, the worst week for the market so far. It wasn't that bad. 
but it was a down week, especially for tech on Fed worries. Yeah, which, worst of the worst of the year, which is week of the year, which is what six, seven weeks, I guess. Yeah, I mean the S and P was down a little more than one percent in the worst weekly performance of 2023. I think the Nasdaq was down about four percent though uh, last week. <clears throat> Earnings season, we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm going to raise it from a C minus to a C. That's a little better. I think last week was a. Uh, uh, there were some pretty good earnings last week uh, that I saw, Uber and uh, Disney and uh, several others. So uh, it, yeah, it was has, like the haves or ha- and have-nots. Yes, <laughs> was, okay. You, know, you had Uber, great. <laughs> Lyft, not so good. Oh, yeah, Lyft got whacked. Yeah. Lyft is getting dropped big time. The energy sector was up 4.9% last week. Uh, you know, that's still kind of an unpredictable sector. Uh, especially oil prices, as you still really don't know China if they're coming, how fast they're coming back online. They're the consumption machine for commodities. I've seen commodities kind of weaken here recently: aluminum, steel, copper, uh, metal ores, etc., iron ore, and uh, we'll just have to see. But there were some big winners in the oil patch last week. Equinor was up 13.4 percent, but it's been smashed. Uh, BP was the biggest winner. It was up 15.6% last week. Uh, And BP also announced that they'd be scaling back on their renewable energy projects because there's just not a lot of profit in it. And uh, that, of course, uh, comes to the dismay of the environmentalists and the uh, ESG investors. But uh, BP, I guess, is uh, looking out for their shareholders and what will make the shareholders, what will make the company money, I well, suppose. Hard, hard comments to kind of, to, 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 at least to, to say in terms of, uh, you know, given that they're domiciled in, uh, in Europe. <laughs> yes. So them, and, them and Shell have, have had to, you know, kind of uh, at least at least make appearances in terms of uh, reconfiguring their energy portfolio towards a more, you know, renewable-ish uh, yes. base. But. Okay, and Bitcoin got whacked around pretty good uh, last week. It has a lot to do with the U.S., uh, the, the Securities and Exchange Commission shutting down the cryptocurrency exchange, uh, their staking service. You can read up on what that is, uh, where they stake. Uh, you can actually uh, deposit bitcoins and then lend them out, and it's just it's complicated, but it, it's not good for what the SEC is doing to them, and it's not good for the Bitcoin and the crypto markets. Okay, now we're going to get a data, a data, a data-packed week. We already do with a 38-35 uh, win of the Chiefs yeah. uh, over the Philadelphia Eagles. Let Don't forget tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Okay, let's hope we don't have a Valentine's massacre in the market tomorrow. Oh, and CPI Day. Yeah, and great. CPI. That's why I said that, okay? <laughs> the two, the, are we going to get some love tomorrow from the, uh, the CPI report, or are we going to get a Valentine's Day massacre? Let's see. The economists expect the CPI to dip to 6.2% year over year. Okay, that's the number. And the core rate dropping to 5.5. I'm going to say it's going to come in line. That's my prediction. I don't think it will come in way higher, maybe a, a tenth. I mean, if it comes in at 6.3, the market will sell off, Barry. 
more than likely. I mean, it doesn't take much because there is hyper interest on these uh, CPI reports because it links right over to the Dow. And I'm interested to see where, right, when you're looking at the report, right, what parts have the most uh, most effect. Of course, you know, used cars have been, you know, one of the areas that's actually gone down a lot. And then I've seen, you know, recently that uh, at least for the month, I think of the beginning of the year, that uh, – Used sales cars and used sales, used car sales were up, and prices were up uh, in in January. So it'll be interesting to see how these individual components, you know, play out as well. Uh, you know, how they feed into the top line and, and core numbers. And I guess they've made the inflation data a little bit more complicated. Uh, CPI watch new weightings could make inflation data more complicated. So sometimes you'll get the the number, you know, at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The market will react immediately, and then they dig through the data, and you'll see the market gyrate for a while. Oh, it's fun business to be in, you know. I, I love it. But uh, anyways, there is a lot of, there's even minute-by-minute volatility when big reports like that come out, and then it eventually settles. You can even see the market settle for a while and then at the end of the day blast off or just the opposite and sell off it's all part of the wall street uh waltz that it does every time a big uh, report like that comes out okay i like this one philadelphia fed president patrick harker said on friday that the federal reserve needs to get the policy just above five percent interest rate and then pause okay so he's in our camp and here's what i really was surprised to see a so-called economic soft landing is more probable now now it wasn't that long ago maybe several months ago uh, that uh, we were the the i would say 80 percent of the analysts out there were talking about a hard landing i can remember a newsletter uh caption or a photo that i used of a of a of a delta airliner making a hard landing and the smoke flying you know off and everybody inside the (laughs) plane going wow (laughs) well you know what that's a hard landing where you go into a recession because of the rising interest rates because of the fed but now you've got at least one Fed guy out there, Fed president of Philadelphia, who's not happy today. He's not a happy camper uh, back there in Philadelphia. But he says that, uh, you know, we could get a nice soft landing, which would mean threading the needle, which mean only going to five, five and a quarter percent halting and continuing to see what's the word disinflation disinflation that's the word that moves the markets these days we want to see disinflation which is the opposite of inflation okay let's see morgan stanley is there anybody that wakes up on the right side of the bed at morgan stanley it just seems like every time they do something it's like negative okay pretty pretty bearish right yeah Yeah. not only on the stock market but now they're getting cautious on treasuries (laughs) yeah they're on everything they were short the dollar. They were wrong again, as the dollar has rocketed higher. But I will say this, Morgan Stanley now specs the Fed to hike rates to 5.25. Well, that's what we've been saying. It's either 5 or it's 5.25, and I think a lot of it will depend on what happens tomorrow. 
with the CPI report. Now, when we come back, the other half of this equation, the Fed impacts the multiple that we multiply earnings by. we got to get an update on the other part of the equation, the earnings season, 70% of the books. This is Bill Gunderson. Thank you for tuning in to today's Best Stocks Now, Best Inverse Funds Now show. I put several hours of research in during the wee hours of the morning each day to bring you the very best cutting-edge stories that I can. To get two free weeks of my newsletter, go to GundersonCapital.com. To talk to us about our fee-based only money management services, call us at 855-611-BEST. Now, back to the second half of the show. And welcome back here to the uh, second half of today's uh, Best Stocks Now show as we begin uh, a new week in the market. CPI is going to be the big deal this week. And, again, that goes right to the Fed. I mean, that impacts what the Fed does. Uh, What the Fed does goes right to the multiple of the market, the P.E. ratio. It also goes to uh, the bond market and the uh, interest rate uh, impact uh, on the bond market. The market has started to take off here right now. It looks like the market's buying into our thesis that we've laid out uh, since late December uh, and reiterated once again in our newsletter. If you're not getting the newsletter every week, that'll take a lot of emotion out of the equation. Uh, you go to GundersonCapital.com, GundersonCapital.com. Dow up 246 right now, NASDAQ up 102 right now. Okay, earnings season. <clears throat> this is the other big part of the uh, target price equation. You hear all these companies all the time, our target price for the S&P this year is 4800 Well, another one will say 3800 Well, it's based on numbers. It's the earnings estimates over the next 12 months multiplied by a multiple. And both those numbers are, uh, they're not static. They change. Okay, every time a company reports uh, that's a member of the S&P 500, that could impact the earnings side of the equation. And, of course, we now have 69% of the companies in the S&P 500 that have reported earnings. And that's all part of that aggregate S&P 500 earnings estimate, which I have always deemed to be the most important indicator of all uh, in, uh, in predicting the markets. It's all about earnings estimates going forward. Just watch what happens when a stock lowers their earnings estimate. Stock sinks immediately, or watch when they raise their earnings. Now, the same can be said for the S&P 500. Now, the S&P 500 doesn't change that dramatically. It's either drifting lower, which it has been for the last several months. It eventually settles in, uh, and then, of course, as new information comes out, okay, we've got 69% of the reporting companies in for the fourth quarter last year. And we're getting really solid estimates for 2024 now, almost every company, uh, which really helps in the work that I do because I'm looking to 2024 and those earnings estimates. Okay, we've got 69% of the companies in. 
exactly 69% have beat have beat their earnings estimates. Uh, that's subpar. Usually we're in the mid-70s there, okay? 63% have beat their sales estimates or revenue estimates. That's also subpar. That's why I can't give this earnings season so far more than a C grade. I've been at C- minus until this past week, which got a little better. And the revenue part is more concerning because that's harder to you know it's harder to game the system. Most folks' revenue you know revenue is the is the you know all in all apples to apples. Of course, yes. on the on the earnings side, as we know with you know non G you know non GAAP and GAAP earnings or what yeah. have you. Of course, there's some you know there's some accruals and non cash items that can flow to the EPS. But yeah, the, you know to me even that the top line, the only fact that you only have what just just over what fifty percent uh, hitting those revenue sixty three percent beating okay beating yeah. their earning revenue estimates. Now the S and P five hundred when all is said and done when this quarter is all in the books right now, it's expected to be about 4.9% less than the same quarter last year, the fourth quarter of 2022. Uh, Actually, 2021. Okay, that has improved a little bit. When we started, I mean, when we first, back in September of last year, the estimate was for 3.7% growth. But as I've said, these earnings estimates have kind of been in a slow drift, lower as we ended the year, and now it looks like they're going to come in at 4.9% less in the same quarter last year. This will be the worst quarter since Q3 of 2020, which was minus 5.7%. Revenue growth is expected to come in at 4.6%, which isn't bad. The forward PE of the S&P 500 goes down to 18 this week. It got up to 18.6 here recently. That's when I said the market's a little bit ahead of itself. It needs to settle down a little, and it did over the last couple of weeks. We started the year with the forward P.E. of 16.7, so now we're up to 18. But a year ago, we were at 23. So what's the long-term average? 16 to 18. So we're still kind of at the upper end of that uh, P.E. range over the last the average over the last uh, five years is 18.5, okay? The average over the last 10 years is 17.2. It has a lot to do with the interest rate environment. You saw the P.E. really get whacked last year. It contracted a lot because of those four interest rate hikes that the Fed did, four 75 basis point hikes. Okay, 61 companies uh, from the S&P will report this week. So you're going to have basically, they're going to be done here pretty much by the end of the week. So we have some really good numbers, okay? Uh, For the year 2022, we should end up with earnings about 4.2% better than last year. Okay, so that marks 12 out of the last 13 years we've had earnings growth. The only year we didn't have earnings growth was the COVID year. So when earnings bottomed out in 2009, we've been growing those earnings every single year except for COVID. And that's why you've seen the S&P go from 670 
in 2009, and today we're at about, what, 4,100 or so. We've been as high as uh, 4,600, 4,700 because earnings have been growing. Now it's all about the future. What are we expecting this year? Well, this year you've got some folks, 2023, you've got some of the big analysts out there saying no growth. That was Goldman Sachs' last prediction, that they see earnings coming in this year exactly the same as last year. Well, if that's true, we'll get a pretty flat year in the market. I don't expect a big, robust year in the market because the consensus estimate right now for this year is 2.5% earnings growth and 2.4% revenue growth. Having said that, the market is now looking ahead to next year, 2024. The market is forward-looking. Never forget that. I updated my numbers. With with 67% in the books now, I'm able to get some pretty good numbers because almost every company that has reported also gave forward guidance into 2024, or at least the next couple quarters. And from that, we can now project a pretty good number for 2024. That's in the newsletter. That's where I derive my target price, okay? I do my own work, uh, and uh, I compare what I'm coming up with with what others are coming up with, what the consensus is. I think the consensus for 2024 is about, uh, I think, maybe 11%, something like that, growth uh, in earnings next year versus this year. If that's true, the market can continue to go higher. The threats to that would be any kind of a recession, uh, which would bite into those earnings. Uh, or an earnings recession, right? An earnings recession would bite into it. You've got uh, geopolitical events. Uh, this whole China thing is a little bit worrisome. Uh, there's not exactly uh, warm relations right now between us and China. We've got a balloon war taking place. Uh, what will Russia do? Uh, natural disasters. Look what happened to Turkey. 30, yeah, 34,000 people now under the rubble. I mean, if that were to happen to New York City, God forbid, or Chicago or Los Angeles or something, there's all kinds of things that can happen. Uh, you know, the inflation could start roaring again. But as of now, the market trades on known factors and probabilities. And the probabilities are right now, at least the consensus for 2024, is double-digit growth again. So anyways, that's where we're at with this current earnings season. Uh, we've got uh, the earnings picture decent and the multiple picture has stabilized considerably since last year, uh, and we have good deals. But you have, look, you have to be selective. You're not going to go out and buy Teladoc. I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't go out and buy uh, some of the Kathy Wood Arcs type stocks. It seems to be more focused in the large, even mega cap stocks, but high quality with, uh, let's just say, predictable growth. All right, when we come back, what's moving and popping? The market is definitely moving. It's up 200 now, 246. We'll pick it apart when we come back. You got to go where you want to go.
again. Welcome back here to the uh, final segment of uh, today's uh, Best Stocks Now show. And, of course, uh, the market definitely off on the uh, the right foot uh, so far today. Let's just give you a little update there on the overall market. The Dow's up 279 right now. Uh, the Nasdaq's up 121. And, of course, it's what's underneath the surface, okay? Those are just the indexes. There's 30 stocks that make up the Dow. There's 100 stocks that make up the Nasdaq Composite. How many make up the S&P 500, Barry? 400? No, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to uh, go with 500. <laughs> yes. There is a, the S&P. Maybe 499. It might be a trick question. You huh? never know. Sometimes <laughs> it's 502 because, uh, and then, of course, you've got the mid caps were 400. The small cap index is 600. Unless you go to the Russell 2000, uh, the Russell 2000 is uh, 2,000. There's a lot of garbage uh, in that. However, okay, now if we go to the Dow, boy, I'll tell you what, that was a timely call and a timely buy we made on Microsoft earlier this year. Uh, I wasn't really uh, counting on the uh, AI. Chat G- yeah, I wasn't counting on chat GPT. <laughs> Sometimes you just get a little frosting on the cupcake that you and some sprinkles that you weren't expecting. Uh, and we're getting that. Uh, you're just happy to be in the right place on the receiving end of those sprinkles. Uh, the Microsoft has just been lit on fire, and it's because of chat. I just haven't had time to play around with the chat GPT. Uh, I want to I check it out, though, a little bit, because I've heard some examples of what it's been able to do. I want to see it for myself. I always like to check out things for myself. And then, of course, the big flop of uh, Google's AI uh, in Paris. Uh, And then, of course, you've got other entrants in Baidu. Uh, Apple is uh, going uh, gangbusters on their own AI. Uh, But Microsoft is up another 3.4% today. i got to believe that's our biggest holding uh, because we own it not only in our premier growth portfolio, but we own it in our uh, dividend and growth portfolio as a Microsoft does pay a dividend of 1%. Uh, so it qualified for our growth and income portfolio. Uh, it's currently got, uh, it's trading at a multiple of about 26, but it's been growing by 23% per year over the last five years. So it gets a glory multiple. We call that a glory multiple. Uh, I show it with about 75% upside potential. The last time I did my valuation, which was about three, four weeks ago, I've got to update it because we have new estimates out there. All right? See, this is what I've been talking about. Microsoft is going to come in with about $9.35 this year, 2023. But next year, 2024... They're starting to factor in all of these new developments, especially AI. And now you've got earnings estimates out there on Microsoft for next year at $10.82. That's terrific. That's 16% growth. for. Is Microsoft the biggest market cap? Let's see. Microsoft is just over... 
two billion. Apple's yeah, I think got Apple's be still than. up there. Yeah, and of course, you know, you, I mean, you put, I mean, in terms of the S and P five hundred, right? You put, you know, Apple, Amazon, and, and Microsoft together, and you're talking about, you know, close to fifteen, seventeen percent yeah. uh, of the index. Particularly if you add one of the next biggest holdings being, uh, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, and so, you know, you're talking about twenty percent of the the S and P in four, right you know, there. four or five companies. <laughs> so, anyways, we've got a good update on Microsoft's earnings for next year. So. In my valuation formulas for the individual stocks, okay, I'm using that uh, next year estimate, 1082, which uh, is pretty fresh estimate there. Uh, and then we're using uh, a consensus growth rate over the next five years and a pretty decent multiple. And uh, the stock is breaking out. It has not made a golden cross yet, but it's definitely moving in that direction. And uh, that's a breakout today on Microsoft. So we're happy there. I, I believe it's our biggest holding, MSFT. Now, the other two in the Dow that are driving the Dow, there are other, they're also growth stocks. Nike, I don't know. I have a problem with Nike. Uh, forward PE is 42. How many Nikes were in the Super Bowl yesterday? How many pair of Nikes? <laughs> I, I don't about, know. I didn't count. One of the interesting commercials uh, was, I think, for a movie. It looked like uh, I didn't know it was coming out. It looked like it was. A, I don't know if it was. A, it was a movie uh, involving, uh, you know, in, in, involving Jordan and uh, and Nike. So uh, it was. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but it was. I think it had Matt Damon and some other folks. Were oh, good. Well, anyways, there were a lot of Nikes on the field. I just think it's a very expensive stock. And also, given the fact that it's a 10% grower these days, uh, it's not, uh, you know, even that's a stretch. Uh, it's I, That's what it's been over the last five years. I don't see that going forward. But anyways, it is what it is. It's up 1.5%. Then the other growth stock in the Dow that's doing well today, there's a lot of activist activity around Salesforce. Uh, you know, wanting uh, to change, uh, break up the company, all kinds. They have different ideas that they, they have like five to implement. Yeah, Salesforce has five activists, I think, at the moment. Yeah, so Mark Benioff, he's the number one. He's the CEO of the company. Uh, Salesforce is up 1.7% today. Not a bad stock, actually. I mean, it's been growing by 26% a year. It's uh, a little richly priced right now, 33 multiple. But uh, it's one of the winners in the Dow, so that just gives you an idea of what's moving in the Dow. Now, underneath the surface of the uh, S&P 500, the biggest mover is a stock that has gone nowhere in years, Teradata. Teradata has been basically a non-growth stock. It's a big uh, data storage, enterprise data warehousing but it is the winner of the day on the S&P 500. It's up 11.9% after a very strong earnings report. The second biggest winner in the S&P 500 is Microsoft again, 3.3%. Equifax is there. Eh, you know, it's kind of a growth stock. Uh, uh, single digits, though. It's up 3.3%. Booking.com. Yeah, whenever they don't com. have a data hack, anytime they have a data hack, of course, oh, they get they knocked had, back down, and then they then they start back again. <laughs> they kind of had the mother of all data yes, hacks a couple did. years ago, definitely several did. years ago. Booking.com, which I saw some ads. We're out of time. Uh, is also up 2.9%. Uh, yeah, so it's a good day in the market. Get the news. I updated the target price this week. 
GundersonCapital.com. Give us a call for report for Holio Review. 855-611-BEST. Have a great day, everybody. This show is not a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Bill Gunderson or clients of Gunderson Capital Management may have long or short positions in stocks mentioned during the show. Gunderson Capital Management is a fee-based registered investment advisory firm. All accounts are held at Ameritrade. Ameritrade is a member of SIPC and FINRA.